Blog Talk Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion. And we do keep an eye on the chat room. So if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we will do our very best to get your question on air. Our sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. With Audible.com, you can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. And I did not give you the phone number. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you cannot continue to listen online, call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via the phone or please, if you are driving about, please use your Bluetooth. We are in for such a treat this evening. This is exciting. My guest 
Trinace Rose was introduced to Transcendental Meditation at age 16 and has been active in the science of yoga as a spiritual practice for the last 24 years. While she was reading Paramahansa Yogananda's book, The Second Coming of Christ, a seed for her new book was planted, blossoming into form through six years of research, solitude, and ongoing meditation. And with the university curriculum of English, modern drama, Shakespeare courses completed in England, and a BA degree from USC, at age 20 she was granted membership to the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood and honored with various awards for lyrics and songwriting at the Nashville Song Festival and creative writing at the Santa Barbara Writers' Convention. In addition to serving as project facilitator for the mindfulness program at Scripps Center for Integrative Medicine in La Jolla, her fields of study have continued, including the Teo and Kagong, Buddhism, shamanism, holistic and naturopathic medicine, nutritional healing, animal and marine mammal communication, energetic healing, the hemisync method, astral travel, and so many more. Ternace is the author of Akashic Alphabet, her latest book and our topic for discussion. Akashic Alphabet is the winner of the Gold Pinnacle Book Award Summer 2014 in the spiritual category, as well as winner of the Gold Living Now Spirit Award 2015 for Outstanding Book of the Year. And Publishers Weekly just posted the book on their list of noteworthy books for January 2015. That's a lot of good stuff. You know, welcome to the show, Trinace. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here on Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Just wonderful, thank you, and I really appreciate you having me. Oh, my gosh, and kudos to you for all the awards and everything. That's great. It has to make you feel good. <laughs> I'm so grateful, really. <laughs> yes, and that comes through, you know, in, in your writing and all that you do. You know, uh, it's just wonderful that you have received such great recognition. For, and these are huge awards. This is not something something that small. It's a great honor and well-deserved, so congratulations to you. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Your, your book, Akashic Alphabet, you know, it's profound and enlightening in content, and it's just as equally beautiful throughout. I don't often receive books that are so well-made, visually extremely beautiful from cover to cover, inside and out, offering such an enormous message for each reader. I, I felt as though the book was speaking to me, and, and I will say that specifically speaking to me. So thank you for writing the book for me, <laughs> and, I will presume, and I will presume everyone else who reads it get this, gets the same type of feeling from that book. What inspired you to put this together? Well, it, it was really while I was reading one of Yogananda's books, uh, The Second Coming of Christ, um, there, there is a page, I think it was the 21st page, where he speaks about the astral lens of light. And this, this idea just took hold. And I thought, what if I could carry on Yogananda's message and contribute my own little portion of, 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 of beauty and love to the world by creating a series of vignettes that would exemplify the oneness in, in many, many very in, in many spiritual and cultural philosophies all over the world, showing the oneness in all of them and how we're all connected as one. And and I I thought, what if I were to do this through a lens of light, a, a lens of astral light? So I searched for a couple of years to find um, a master artist who could really truly depict the visions that I had that I had come into my mind to create this. And I went through about 30 people, and as soon as I saw his work, it just—it was like a light bulb that went off, and that was it. It was just exactly how I had been envisioning all these beautiful visions for each vignette. And I talked to him and and gave him, you know, probably hundreds of type pages of detail for each of the visions. And um, as you know, you could give 10 people the same thing and you would get 10 completely different versions. But he was really tuned in. And as it turned out, of all the people I talked to all over the country, he lived here 10 minutes from me in Encinitas. <laughs> but he was a devotee of Yogananda. So it was. I feel that it was divinely orchestrated. And um, I had a series of incidents 
um, well, let me just say, though, when when working with Sergei, his name is Sergei Ayarov, when working with him, um, I, I told him that I wanted each painting to be uh, illustrative of a scene as if someone were looking at it through an astral lens of very, very high white light. And so every page of the book has been infused with a passionate, high-level vibration of love. And it's designed to heal the reader. It's designed to lift their spirit into a higher higher element. And so um, originally when I was reading Yogananda's book and this idea came in, several other things happened in my life, kind of like ducks lining up in a row. I lost both my parents, and I went through a series of different circumstances and had some um, what what some would call miraculous kinds of experiences that all compounded and led me to know that this is the path I needed to be on. And um, it was it was I it's kind of like little flags, you know, leading me right to it. So that was a long answer to your question. It was a great answer, though, and you nailed it on the book. I have to say, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. You know, master artist Sergey Ayarov is it's phenomenal. The the it's very moving, and you do you are moved by it and there you can feel the energy coming through the book. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. As I said, it's not often that books, some books are beautifully written and some books are beautifully displayed and they have a aesthetic appeal that when this one has everything, everything seems to just come together. So you did a great job with that. Now, just so that all of us are on the same page, because this is called Akashic alphabet. There are people who don't know what the Akashic records are. So why don't you tell us about that? Okay, just in a nutshell, um, let me just give you a line from Yogananda, which is from a kind of an elevated consciousness, and then I'll give you a more scientific description, just a brief paragraph. Um, Yogananda once said that cosmic consciousness lies hidden within and behind the layers of matter, physical energy, astral energy, and thought or consciousness. This is the Akasha. Now, for the last 15 years or so, there have been teams of top-tiered physicists who have made groundbreaking discoveries leading to an expanding theory that all living matter exists in one vast quantum field of subatomic vibrations in the space between matter. And that is the Akasha, an invisible web of life energy force where everything is connected to everything else. Now, the ancient... Sanskrit word akasha means sky or space and it that is where our collective uh, subconscious mind resides within the akasha lies a virtual library of mystical knowledge containing encoded information of all experience including an imprint of every self and a history of the infinite stored from the origins of time and I believe that the wisdom from this beautiful, resonating, energetic heart whose fabric connects all humanity, life forms, and unlimited elements is accessible to each of us with pure intention through meditation. And so it was during some very long, deep meditations that I began to receive a lot of these visions and this and, and and even the words you know pouring into my mind as well as the visual so that's that's the description of akasha okay so there are akashic records for everyone in this yes. library yes and it's just it, it, all of it okay and they go from the origin of time let me ask you this because i mean i've had akashic readings and and we've discussed this before on the show but you know, sometimes it's difficult to, to get the right information across. Do you know, are the Akashic records pre-written? In other words, if we look, can we go forward and see what is to be? Or are we not allowed to see that, but it is pre-written? Or is it just not pre-written? Um, you know, Einstein's theories come into this very heavily, but I won't go into all of that right now. But... There are there are various theories on time as a dimension, and mm -hmm. because we live uh, in a three dimension, you see, we 
consider time as a unilinear concept, meaning there is a past, present, and future. From another space, from a higher dimension, it is one from a higher dimension one is able to actually witness past present and future simultaneously and i actually the first time i heard that was in an astronomy class at usc and it was the very last class of of the astronomy class and the and the professor was telling us if we look in a in a telescope we're looking uh, at planets and so forth that are billions of light years in the past and he started to talk a little bit about time as a dimension, which I just found fascinating. But my point on this is that we we are viewing things in a 3D, okay? But actually, on another level, a higher level, one is able to witness past, present, future simultaneously, and the way it would appear to someone who was in a dimension, a higher dimension like that, it would be as if you were looking at a series of transparent slides of life, okay, um, all, you know, hundreds of them all lined up, and you were seeing them all at once. So you, you, you're, do you understand what I mean? I know this is oh, absolutely no, I I get it completely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, in answer to your question, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. Um, can it be re? rewritten yes it can this is this is where the paradigms in my book which is what i consider my vignettes are, are really energy blueprints for a new world this is where they come in and they're so important because it is in our collective consciousness that we are literally future shifters creating the future okay now we can be in one mindset now and a year from now as this beautiful uh, shift is happening across across our planet, and this enlightenment and awareness is continuing to metamorphosize and and gain strength and get stronger and stronger, we are we are uh, uh, gaining an awareness, and so thus we are shifting the future. You see, literally with mm-hmm. our minds, because our our reality. Is is what we believe and what we project. So that's um, kind of another long-winded answer, but hopefully it describes what I'm trying to explain to you. No, it makes sense because in classes I've taken, they've said, you know, everything's happening at the same time because there is no time and there is no space. Okay, I can grasp that. That makes sense to me. Right. So past lives and future lives are going on right now while we're living in this life because only a portion of us is here. The the whole collective soul is between the gaps, if you will, and we go out in many different directions to have experiences only to come back to the collective whole. So that makes complete sense to me. And so there's a, I, timeless, there's a dimension where there's timelessness, and, which, and that's what you're saying, you see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And somebody wrote in a question earlier today and said, I just want to know, can I change outcome? And, of course, I believe you can. I yes. don't think, but I, I think you can to an extent, if you will. I think we have to learn our lessons. And the way that we need to learn the lessons, we have to go through certain things to get whatever it is we're supposed to learn that we chose we're going to learn while we're here in this plane. And if you don't get it, you, you, you suffer longer. It's unfortunate that sometimes you don't realize what it is you're doing that is not allowing you to learn your lesson. That's when I think it comes down to what we refer to as a time thing. The timing isn't right. Sometimes the timing's just not right. So I get there's no space. I get there's no time. But sometimes the timing isn't right on this plane for something to manifest. And we have to just wait it out a little longer. And that's where our patience and our faith and our trust has to come in that, you know, the universe has our back and, and the Akashic records are there. But they're not written in stone because you can change things. But what you need to learn is, does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, you know, I've been asked that question about freedom of choice versus Mm -hmm. fate and destiny. And there's a beautiful analogy that will help clarify this, I think. The book Siddhartha, in one of the scenes in that book, uh, the young man is, is, is sitting on a rock 
on a river that goes for hundreds of miles, and he's looking down the stream. He's, he's, he's at the river, and he climbs up about 10 feet, and he's able to then view the river many miles as it travels out through the valley and beyond. And then he decides to climb about 100 feet, and he climbs about 100 feet, and then he's able to literally see perhaps tens of or even 100 miles into the distance. Now, what this means is, to me, is that in our reality, we have the freedom to make choices in our lives. We are the decision makers of our lives, in addition to all of the universal elements that are unfolding us. However, on another level, in a heightened dimension, it is already known the decisions that we're going to make, okay? It's already mm-hmm. known on that level, in the timeless level, that they can already see past, present, future because there is, they're living in a, in, a, in a seventh level dimension rather than a, th- a three dimension. So that doesn't take away from us, from our ability to make decisions as we're presently living moment to moment. It's just that on another level, it's already known. And that's a lot for the mind to grasp. That's a, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot for us to, to really comprehend, you know. Mm. It is because people think, well, then, then there is such a thing as destiny because if it's already known, then I can't, if I just sit here, then it's going to happen. But that's not the case. That's no. not how it works, no. you know. And yeah. I think that's the hard part to get across is you can't just sit in life and think, well, you know what, it's already done. I'm just going to sit here and wait because you have to experience. And the more you experience, the closer you'll get to the correct decision, which is a decision that, that you know you came in to make and somewhere within us we know you know somewhere within us we know exactly when we're going to die but it's not in our the forefront of our mind or we would live our lives very differently and, and nobody would have the experiences that they have and go through what they go through which we need to do so I don't like to use the word suffer but I can't think of a better word because people right now a lot of my clients are suffering I mean they are suffering and yes. it's sad to watch but I think that's because of all the energy that's going on right now and what people are experiencing is a barrage of there's just so much going on in the world that that we focus on negatively instead of focusing on the positive and it's difficult when that's thrown in your face moment by moment tv news uh radio newspaper your your iphone whatever it's difficult to to stay in a positive mode so a lot of people were asking questions as when the show was being marketed they were asking you know will, will the akashic records help me in this life if I had if I went and had an Akashic reading would it help me in this life and you know I don't think the Akashic records necessarily give you the answers any more than a psychic will they can tell you what they think they see but you can change it because it is freedom of choice yes that yes I agree with you Um, regarding what you were saying about um, the suffering that's going on um, I think it's profoundly important for every soul to understand and and know in their heart that we are evolving. You know, each of us are on our own individual path, and we're evolving at our own rate. And and it's and it, and there are thousands of different rates of evolution going on here. So that's why number one, it's very important not to ever judge ourselves or judge others because we don't walk in that person's shoes and we Mm. have no idea what that spirit has gone through in this life or past lives and so we are all on our own journey and number two um this this reality that we're experiencing i believe is a is a collective grand delusion okay and mm-hmm. and and we are living this and the best way for us to survive and to retain our peace okay is to realize that it is all like a beautiful and sometimes not beautiful drama like a movie that we're watching because it is not the real it is not the real the real is is the spirit world is the astral world 
we are living in a physical world, and this is really, like I say, just a, a, a grand delusion. So instead of attaching ourselves so that we suffer so intensely and profoundly when things happen that are not of our making or we don't understand or they're very hurtful or traumatic, whatever it is, instead of attaching to that and connecting our soul energy and our soul cords into these kinds of situations so that we come embroiled in all of it, it is really best, and this is easier said than done, okay, but, but it's mm-hmm. something to, to, to head for. It is best to try to detach yourself emotionally a little bit from all that's going on around you and think of yourself as if you were in a little boat out on the open seas in a, in a thunderstorm and the little boat is going up and down over the enormous waves and you remain and consciously use your will to remain calm and centered in your heart knowing that you are one with God and you are one with everything and that this too shall all pass. That, That's the key. Every The only constant is change. That's right. And when you're positive, you know, everything's great. And somewhere deep inside, you know, and people say this isn't going to last forever. No, it's not. But neither is the negative. And we don't, again, we dwell on the negative and, and we end up suffering through it, which is prolonging it instead of doing what you said, being in the boat, grounding yourself. There are so many mind-body practices that, that one can do, meditation, yoga, sound therapy, energy therapies, different, different types of things that people can do to keep themselves in a space where it's easier to get through. Nobody's saying it's easy. Some things are very difficult, you know. Uh, Divorce is difficult. Death of a loved one is difficult. Losing a child is is very difficult. There are things that are very difficult. Losing a job. No one's saying it's easy, but the best way to, to try to deal with it is to stay positive, and people don't like it when I use that word when things are as challenging as those four things I mentioned, but it is it is the case. It absolutely is the case for, for, for so many reasons. I mean, from a, a cellular biological, you know, standpoint, it, it's important because you're not, you're not in that chronic stress space. And from just a place where you can move on, it's important. That's right. And to trust, just, just to trust and know that everything is in divine timing. You know, everything. Yes. No matter what. Yep even though it often doesn't appear that way or things aren't going along as if or as to the way we might like them to be or how we would control it if we could control it um it's so important to understand that there is a greater uh, a collective mind that is really orchestrating all of this for us and the funny part is when i use those terms and i say you know it's in divine timing this is what I get back. You just said there's no such thing as time. And then I just have to laugh. Because <laughs> that, yes, that just, means, that just means the orchestration is, is, is right. coming from higher space. And, and that's what it means, according to our physical standards of timing. That's why we use the word timing, because that's what we know in right. this dimension is timing. You know? Yeah, that's what we get. That's how we, that's how we speak. You know, and this is this is the way we speak, so this is what we're going to say. But I, I find that sometimes I, amusing because I think, yeah, okay, I need to come up with a better word <laughs> because it's not working. But I do like orchestration because the orchestration is not there yet. You know, that's a much better way to put it. Now, when you were – you meditated for a very, very long time and, and to, to get this book. So – you were able to get the information and put it into book form and get the idea for it and find someone who could do the artwork for you, which was very synchronistic because he was only 10 minutes away. So that definitely was divinely guided. (laughs) You know, that's just, when things like that happen, it's just like, Oh yeah. Okay. I know I'm going in the right direction. (laughs) Absolutely. But can anyone, there are people who are specifically Akashic record readers and I've heard from people, Oh, it's a really difficult thing to do. You kind of did it. You did it without just through meditation, which is not difficult, but it is uh, arduous. It's something that you have to really concentrate on, focus on, and get into the deep meditation and, and effort to do that. But I don't think everybody has that ability, you know, to do that. And I think that there are people who here can do that specifically for reasons like writing this book and putting this out there. 
do you believe that people can actually go in and read their own Akashic records without really knowing how just through meditation? Yes, I do. And um, and no, it is not the easiest thing in the world. But let me say this. I, You see, a, a critical thing, and the shamans really believe this, is that we 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 try to remain fully present and very mindful in every moment of our lives as much as humanly possible we all get distracted and there's all of that yes but but you know there are yogis for example who do uh, who practice meditation 24 hours a day so that they're actually living walking meditation i mean they're just completely immersed in that sustaining kind of a mindset which is incredible now that takes you know years to get to that point but i'm not suggesting we all need to do that but the thing is we it it is it is so vitally important for us to understand that the the reality that is happening around ourselves is really being created by our minds, and that's—I know—that's I, a little bit um, ethereal and, and to understand. But the largest electromagnetic field, okay, produced by the body, is generated by the heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And researchers have analyzed that field, and results have shown that, our, that, that the emotions are encoded within that energy field. So, pardon me, by shifting one's mind through meditation the information that is encoded within our hearts is shifted and therefore the field around us is shifted and that affects others you see now yes that now that's a huge statement because and and there is a, a vignette in my book where i show a picture of a man and woman standing embraced in a hug <clears throat> on the cliffs of torrey pines overlooking the ocean and there are a series of beautiful circular vibrations emanating out from within their hearts, out from their hearts to the surrounding terrain around them, to all the little animals, to the nature, out to surrounding neighbors, countries, counties, countries, planets, seas, going on out ad infinitum. And what that point is, is that one tiny act like that of love reverberates out into the infinite. So this is why it's very critical for each of us to do even the smallest, smallest behavior patterns that create vibrations of love and goodness, kindness, compassion, all of that, because they reverberate out and they spread. And and this this is why also that loving energy is exponentially more powerful than dark energy. And so mm-hmm. it, can, it can usurp it. It can take over. So when we have all of these, <clears throat> pardon me, warring factions in different countries and places in the world with a lot of darkness that's going on, there are, this is another reason I did the book, was to show that there are millions of people all over the planet that are that are either in meditation or they're in chanting or they're in groups or they're sitting with intention visualizing peace and love and beauty and uh, an evolved consciousness. And so with those thoughts, you see, compounding, that can create a beautiful present and future for us. And it will, and it is. And it is happening. It is happening. The unlike... Unlike what the current media does uh, now with a lot of the, the film, the motion pictures and a lot of books that have been released that that uh, depict the world as a dark, ravaged, war-torn planet in the future, because that's what most of them do. You see, I believe that that, that is not necessarily where it's all going at all, and that it is through our intentional consciousness that we can reshape that future into a, into a peaceful uh, uh, coexistence with an evolved consciousness of everyone, and and that's where I that's where I feel we're going. But before that can all happen, you see, the the education of the mainstream 
and the producers and directors and so forth in Hollywood that are making these motion pictures have to have their consciousness raised. They need to be educated about a lot of all of this energetically that's going on so that they can then implement that into the film. And then the mainstream starts to see pictures, films, that are a much more higher evolved state of consciousness. And then those seeds are planted into the brains of the mainstream. And then we get a collective consciousness that is that is exponentially uh, tech, you know, advancing, advancing um, um, on much higher energy levels and at a much faster rate. And we're going through like a metamorphosis. And that's, this is where I see it. And this is already happening. And I agree with you. It, everything is exponential, good and bad, unfortunately. And the, the vignette you were speaking about was V is for vibration. It's a beautiful vignette. And, you know, it was hard going through the book to pick which one do I like the best because every time you'd read one, it was better than the last one. Or you'd think, well, now I like this one more. And But I really did have four that I chose. And I have to say that uh, they all meant something really huge to me. I loved compassion. I loved forgiveness because I think that's so important. And compassion to me is the thing that connects all of us together because, you know, love is very personal. And we can love people university, but compassion is, is different. You know, when there's a tsunami on the other side of the world, people do, they truly feel the compassion. The love doesn't come through. The love is not like that. It's different. The compassion comes through. So I feel that we're connected by compassion to each other, to all the creatures, to, to Gaia, to everything. The forgiveness, because it's so important that we do that, because most of the time it's us we need to forgive, not the other person. It really is us, which goes back to what you said about when we start judging others. We're really judging ourselves. I mean, it was Carl Jung who said, you know, the irrational, uh, the things that irritate you rather in other people lead to an understanding of yourself. That's so true because it's a, it's a mirror image. So you're really judging yourself and you're just projecting it onto another person when you start judging others. So you need to look back and say, well, what is it about that other person that is reminding me about me that I need to, that I'm judging myself so harshly and how can I either change it, alter it or foster it because it may be a jealousy judgment rather than a, you know, a judgment of, um, you know, act. And then the, the other one that I absolutely loved was uh, unity because that, is just what we're all about. So those those were my like four big picks out of the book. They were yeah. all beautiful, but those are my four. Yeah, they're they're and so well written, and it does do something to you. And the thing about this book too is that it's like a coffee table book. You don't have to sit down and read the whole thing all at once. You know, I did because we're having a discussion. But to go through it and just open it up, you're going to get to the page you need for that day, and it's a quick. It's even a quick read when you read the whole thing, but it's beautiful and it puts you in a better place. I can't say that enough. I think that when you said, you know, everything is a delusion, it's like, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm delusionary, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, yeah. and it's just this does bring you to a place where you can now sit back and, you know, you're in you're in, under a lot of stress and you're feeling horrible and you're in almost attack mode because we go back to our primitive self. This book brings you to a place of peace and contentment where you can now take a breath, which it's always okay to do to take a breath and just stop and say, all right, now what do I need to do? And find something in the book that resonates with you so that you can move forward. You know, um, people will say, well, I'm on the right track. I'm just stuck there. Well, you know, don't stay stuck on the track because the train's coming. You need to somehow move forward and you're going to get hit. And so this book, I've shown it to a few people who said, oh, God, T, I really love this. This is great because this could really make a difference when I'm having a moment. And I think that's really, that for me is what I saw out of the book. But what do you want the reader to get out of the book? It's your book. What are you expecting the reader to get from it? Well, <laughs> that's, that's a big question, and I, I'll answer mm -hmm. it for you. Um, I want... I want people to understand that they can each have an immeasurable effect of illuminating the world with their own individual light by by sharing their love and by by choosing to start to look at life and focus on the beauty and the joy and the love that is all around us rather than 
dwelling on and focusing on the dark energies, the negative kinds of things that we're bombarded bombarded with from newspapers and media and so forth. Now, for an example, yogis um, do not ignore the dark things that are going on all around them. Okay, they don't ignore it, but they 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 hear them, they acknowledge what's going on, and then they completely surrounded in a beautiful light and they just consciously send love to that situation they just they just you close your eyes and you envision the the situation whatever it is and you just you see it surrounded and just doused with beautiful white loving and light of of love light of love now this is not lala stuff okay this is mm-hmm. real and it's energetic, and it is effective. Now, yogis, um, the, the, the whole mindset about yogis is that they focus. They, like I say, they don't ignore the dark, but they focus on the light. They focus on the beauty. Have you ever noticed when someone tells you, oh, I just got a new car, it's a BMW. Like the first time you heard about a BMW, you might not have known what it was, you'd never seen one. But then once you had the awareness of a BMW and what it looked like, then you began to see more and more BMWs Mm -hmm. all around you when you were traveling and so forth. So my point is, rather than giving our energy away, which we do, giving it away to dwell on repeatedly, a dark situation that may have happened in our own life or something we've just read about that's horrifying or traumatizing or whatever it is, you you let that come in, that thought come in, you bless it with light, and then you let it go right out of your mind as if it's going through a little sieve, the way you sift water through potatoes in a strainer. You just let it go right out as if your mind is a sieve and let it go, go out and let it be gone and let it go. And then you focus, you focus, and you use your willpower to focus on and dwell on and give your energy to the positive and the light and the beauty and so forth. And if you will start to do this this little exercise every day, every time something dark comes in, instead of dwelling on it and talking about it to friends, whatever, you don't. You just acknowledge it. You bless it with the love and you let it go. And then you focus. You just turn your focus right into something beautiful. And what you'll find that happens is your mind starts to become filled with much, many more beautiful thoughts, and you're creating patterns of beauty and love that recircle around and around in your mind rather than circling over and over and over the darker memories or the darker events in that. Does that, does that help at all? Yeah, that absolutely does, because what it does is it takes that vicious, never-ending loop that your brain is going through, because that's what a stressed brain does. It just makes a loop of doing unproductive things over and over again, so that you cannot get a better idea. There's no way you can get a better idea, because you're stuck in a loop, just like a computer program that's just cranking away, and you finally get the message not responding, and you think, yeah, no kidding, I can see that. (laughs) Your brain does the same thing. You need to reboot it, and the only way to reboot it is to shift the perspective and shifting the perspective can happen in so many different ways. You know, people can do that with a number of different techniques and that's just great. The book, this book is a tool. It is a great technique because you need only read a portion of it. When I showed this book to someone, they said to me, I'm surprised that the H for healing is not the one that you like the best. And I said, no, I I know, you know, I, I kind of thought it would be too. You know, I really did, especially where in it you talk about, you know, the ancient pines being a row, a, a row of record keepers. You and know, I'm so go glad ahead you with that. that. Because mm-hmm. I want to just quickly tell you for a moment about that because it was one of the most beautiful concepts I've ever heard. This is an enlightened concept from author uh, by the name of Diane Robbins that trees are a vast underground communications network of record keepers. And she says, The branches are layered with information and the leaves are recording plates, sweeping the ethers, picking up pertinent information of all that is about to occur. Forests are self-contained libraries encoded with cosmic intelligence and graced by the divine the way humans are, except 
they are aware of their gifts and use them to create only harmony. Trees speak to the heart. That That is um, one of the most beautiful, incredible concepts that I've heard. And mm-hmm. now we understand. I studied Qigong for a while, and one of the first classes I took uh, we were given an exercise to go over to an ancient pine that was hundreds of years old and to put our hands very close to the trunk of the tree and move them gently in and out within inches of the trunk. And and what happens is you start to feel almost a palpable force of energy that is uh, it's hard to describe, but you can feel like um, a slight resistance energetically as you're moving your hand close to the trunk and then away from the trunk, you can feel like this, it's like a soft energy um, pushing pushing against you. It is very subtle. But you see, that that's the spirit of this magnificent tree. That's the, that's the spirit of the tree's energy that is, that is all that is surrounding it. And it, it, it's just so beautiful because it illustrates just yet again the oneness that is in everything. The divine oneness is in every leaf, flower, stone, human, animal, insect, etc. On at, at infinitum, we're all one. We're all part of this glorious tapestry of life. It's so true that trees do give back to us in huge ways, ways that we can't even know. I remember hearing a story. Years ago, uh, someone said that they had a trouble tree, and every day they just, you know, they just said they'd pull in the garage and they'd say to the tree, "Okay, leave my troubles outside on the tree, and that's my trouble tree." And then the next morning, when they got up, the troubles didn't seem as bad because if you left everything outside of your home, and then you went in the house and you dealt with what needed to be dealt with there, so you were, you know, putting the effort into the work at home. And working with effort is what we want to do. When it becomes struggle, you need to make changes. But effort is indeed necessary, and that's what makes work worthwhile. So not to bring anything outside, inside. So have it be your sacred space. And I've always done that. Sacred space, okay? We, you know, There's no fighting going on in here. You can't do that. It's sacred space. We need to just be at peace with each other and, and leave everything outside. And I remember living in a home and literally after I read that, I thought, I'm going to give this a shot. And so every day I would get out of my car after I pulled it in the garage and I would go over to a flowering cherry tree. And I would, even in the wintertime, even if there was 10 feet of snow on the ground, it didn't matter. I'd reach over and touch a branch and say, there you go, there's my troubles and I'm going in the house. And then we moved. And we moved out of the house and the day that I was leaving, I looked at the tree and I thought, oh my God, what happened to this tree? It's like overnight something happened. So I called the gentleman who I knew who planted the tree like 10 years prior and he came over and he said, oh, gee, this, this, this tree is dying. I mean, it's really like, what would you do to it? And I said, I didn't do anything to it. It's like it died overnight. And I said, we have to replace it because the new owners are going to be really ticked. So I had to pay a whole lot of money for a new tree that was approximately the same age and have them take that one out, put a new one in. And I asked him to please plant it on the side of the property where there was a wooded area and kind of like in the woods, even though it was a flowering cherry. And he said, it's not, it probably won't live. And I said, give it a shot. I think it will. I really, I want to try this. So he did. And I waited and I wait, I mean, I waited all day. I wasn't on the road until dark. And I went over to the tree and I was touching the tree. And of course I'm into energy therapy and I thanked the tree because I knew, I said, you took all of those troubles so that I didn't have to bring them in the house. And now you're dying. And I, I know, honey, I know. And I, such a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing. And our animals, I, same way, you know, our animals. Yeah, our animals yeah, they are, take, yeah, they take our junk. Yeah. They take our junk willingly, unconditionally. And this is how I know that it's really too bad as humans. There is no such thing as unconditional love because if there was, there wouldn't be divorce. There wouldn't be parents not talking to children, children not talking to parents. That would not happen. The unconditional love is with nature and animals. And animals. I had a cat that I had cancer, and I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and I, I, this cat was not doing well, and I said, you have to wait. You have to wait. Mama's sick now. You have to wait. A year later, when I was free and clear, she died. 
And I knew she waited for me. She helped me. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, it's crazy. But there is so much energy out there. And at the bottom of every page in your book that has the wording, the, the verbiage, it says all are one. If that's not a reminder that everything that you've written is so true and it's all are one, I don't know what is. It just really cements it into your, into your soul when you read your book. I can't tell you how moving and wonderful your book is because of that. I can't. You are so kind, and you have no idea how that makes my heart sing <laughs> to hear those beautiful, beautiful words. And let me also say, regarding our animals, you know, yes, there are beautiful, beautiful buffers to absorb so much pain and, and joy and all kinds of emotions. But we really also must try to be a little more selfless and be careful of what we put on our animals. because. Yes. They're beautiful spirits, too, you know, and they don't deserve to suffer and so forth. So we must be careful. For example, if even arguments and so forth in front of an animal are very toxic for that animal to be taking in. And, I, you know, a lot of times I, I worked with animals and I've taken animal communication workshops over the years, but most of the time when animals are having serious issues on one level or another, it is because of the human neuroses that surrounds them. So, so yes, they're beautiful gifts to help and buffer us. But, but again, I, I would like to say that it's very important for us to think of their lives too, you know, and burden them as, as little as, as possible for their sakes. Yes. And I have to tell you, after my cat Cassie passed away, I can't tell you how guilty I felt for the longest time and still do when I talk about her because all I can think of is she took a lot away from me that I didn't have to deal with during my sick time. And she wasn't doing well. How fair was that for me to do that to her? I mean, I still get choked up about it. It's like no, this no, cat no, that wasn't intentional, honey. You know? She probably No, I didn't know at the time, but, you. but now I know better. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, in, in, in another vignette in the book called Energy, if you have the yes. book close to you, there is a beautiful scene here, and, and this scene ca came into me while I was meditating, and I had no idea uh, what an ordained monk was. But then, I, you know, what I do, did was, was when I received visions and I would receive all of this beautiful, all of these beautiful words that would come in and then I would write them inspirationally and then the, the pictures would come. I, after that would happen, I always research extensively that area or whatever, whatever those subjects are to validate, uh, to be sure that it's all legitimate and so forth. And always it turned out that it was. But in this vignette energy, what I found out was, after I received this vision with these beautiful golden ribbons around the trees, was that there are um, Buddhist monks in different areas of Chiang Mai, Thailand, and in different countries in Asia, and actually wherever there are Tibetan monks, um, they decided to try to save thousands of trees. And so they started draping them with this beautiful golden saffron cloth because the government will not touch the trees. They will not chop them down if they've been ordained by the monks. So what happens is we have thousands of these beautiful trees draped with the beautiful golden cloth. And, and what's happened is many of the wild elephants and a lot of white elephants have found sanctuary in these forests where these trees are left standing and they haven't been chopped down. And the elephants know to go there and, they, and they've found refuge there, you see. Mm -hmm. And this is a very beautiful thing because not only are the trees saved, but a lot of the indigenous plant life around the trees is, is also therefore saved, which is used in Ayurvedic medicines and so forth. So it's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing that these Buddhist monks have done, you know, by their, by their gifts of saving the trees. It's, I, I just can't say enough about how touching this book is. And, you know, there are holidays coming up. There's always a holiday. You know, I mean, for goodness sake, this coming Saturday is National Pi Day, P.I., the arithmetic uh, constant. You know, I mean, I'm celebrating it. Yes, <laughs> and Earth, I celebrate is anything, coming up. You know? Earth also coming up, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll celebrate anything. You know, it's spring, spring is coming, whatever. It's a, even cannot celebrate something, even just to say thank you to someone because they did something that they may not even realize that they did. Get them yeah. this book. This is a great yeah. book. They can keep it out 
you know, on the bedside. They can keep it on a coffee table. They'll refer to it. It's beautiful to look at. And the message, oh, talk about a book with a message. Uh, It's just fabulous. I cannot say enough about it. So think about that when you're, you know, it's not how much you pay for something. You don't need to spend $100 on something to show somebody you care. It's the thought that you put into it. And this is a very thoughtful, a very thoughtful book. So, you know, kudos to you, Trinae, for, for, for doing this for all of us. Uh, I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour and we have to say goodbye because I could talk to you for the next three. But, oh, you're <laughs> wonderful. You know, I want to say it, it's also wonderful for seniors and their loved ones and caregivers because it does help to – one of the other goals was to help remove fear-based consciousness. And this is a very calming a comforting kind of a vibration that's been infused into the book. And, and I think it would be very helpful for those people, as well as all ages, of course. Yes, absolutely all ages. And where can people get this book? Tell us that. Okay. It, uh, the book has um, a lovely website, and the website is Akashic, A-K-A-S-H-I-C, alphabet.com. And it is also available in all local bookstores in your area, uh, and it's also available on Amazon. And uh, I think that just about covers it. Barnes and Noble, you know, all the major bookstores. Well, Amazon again, and my and my and my book site also has it for sale. There you go, people. Now you know where to get this book, and you know, you do it right away because it's you want to have a copy on hand just to give to someone. You know, sometimes this happens. I'll find something I really love and I'll think, let me just buy an extra one just in case. And inevitably, something comes up within a month or two and I know this is who this is for and then I end up giving it to them and buying a replacement for the next person. It really does happen that way. Thank you so much, Drenace, for joining us. I so much appreciate you sharing your time with all of us here at Energy Awareness Radio. It has been a wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you. It was completely my pleasure, T. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life that we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for the show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for everybody. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, such as Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. There are going to be a few of those coming up this year, so check it out. And if you cannot make it to a concert, check out the CDs. I've got two of them. One's called Imagine. That's the healing music of quartz crystal singing bowls. And the other is the healing sounds of Christmas, which is the healing music of my quartz crystal harp. And they're both available on the site. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host here at Energy Awareness Radio, T-Love, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take, Take care and stay well.
It's not a hand. 